So there are two questions that I have today. What gets the final word in your life experience? What gets the final word in your life experience? Another way of asking that might be, what do you give your ultimate attention to? What do you give your ultimate attention to? That is the question that came up in my practitioner session this week. I see my practitioner twice a month, and our work over and over and over again is to shift my conscious awareness from a dualistic framework where either or exists to a unitive consciousness. And the best practice that I know to do is to ask myself over and over again, what is ultimately true for you? What is ultimately true for you? So Ernest Holmes writes an essay in Living the Science of Mind. It's called The Ego. The universe of God is incarnated in each individual in an entirely different and unique manner. This is the hidden source of life, the place where Christ in us blends on one side with the divine and on the other side with the individual. There is but one mediator between God and man, which is Christ. The reference to Christ is not a reference to the man Jesus, but to the divine incarnation in all people. Anything that separates us from an understanding that we are one with the whole bars it from coming to self-expression through us. And all we have left then is the acquired ego, which is not enough to meet the issues of life. So when we identify, when the ultimate word of our existence is based on the seen realm and the ego construct, that is insufficient for the challenges of the day. It says here, I love this, it's so subtle. Anything that separates us from an understanding that we are one with the whole bars it. Bars the presence. Any delusion that I'm under, that I'm separate from all of life, prevents the presence of God from being fully realized right where I am. You know, our theme this month is your moment. And the notion of your moment is, this is the only moment you have. This now moment. The notion of the past is simply a collection of thoughts, memories, triggered reactive states that we frequently and addictively like to bring into the present moment and the challenge is we will often identify more with our thinking faculty than our soul. But the way out is through, through the knowing of oneself. And there are two primary ways that I think we do that, love and forgiveness. Love is the ultimate presence for which we are here. And we have a sort of young idea of what the presence of love is. You know, I had a teacher once, and she was working in Minnesota, and she said, the understanding that it seems that you have of the presence of love is something I'd call more like Minnesota nice. It's like, oh, <laughs> well, hello. Thank you. You're wonderful. And that's just a very incomplete idea of the presence of love. In fact, you look at the fierce warriors of history 
who were the great beacons of love on the planet. And they did not exclude the ego construct. They included the ego construct, and as Freud might say, transcended from the ego to the superego. See, it's really easy in this um, world of spirituality to start to begin to make the self wrong. But that's not, in fact, the practice. The practice is to bring all of it in and to transcend the limited sense of personality, not to exclude it, to include it and transcend. So the ground upon which you stand is the source of all good. That's the topic today. The ground upon which you stand is the source of all good. Right where you are is the presence of God. Right where you are is the presence of peace. Right where you are is the presence of love. And the degree to which we realize that is the degree to which we have peace within ourselves, love within ourselves. So long as we have peace within ourselves and love within ourselves, we have peace on the planet and love on the planet. You know, Jesus had nothing that you and I do not have. The only distinction between master teacher Jesus and you and me is that he realized it. He realized the divine incarnation of his being. And so for me, my walk in this life form is just to remember over and over again, Lola, what do you give the final word to? What do you give the final word to? Your limitations, your scarcity, your lack, your breakdown, or do you give the final word to the presence of good, which is right where you stand? There is nothing needed outside of here for me to know my own wholeness. You know, it is often said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oftentimes that scripture gets twisted and we say the kingdom of heaven is within. No, no, no. The kingdom of God is within, scripturally. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So it's right here as soon as we're ready to wake up to it. It's right here. Which is why it is, it is a bankrupt pursuit to look to the ways of the world as the source of one's salvation. Now, the question that I was asked last week when I spoke so boldly about the Affordable Care Act repeal, now this is like my favorite conversation. So the question was, so are you saying that health care for all doesn't matter? That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, so long as we create solutions from the personality-based ego construct versus the superego transcendent self, we create the same breakdowns over and over and over again. Healthcare for all is absolutely essential. The pursuit of that is critical. But from where do I come in my pursuit? From where do I come in my pursuit? Ken Wilber writes in a, an essay titled Egolessness, I posted this last night, think of the great yogis, saints, and sages, from Moses to Christ to Padmasava. They were not feeble-mannered milk toasts, but fierce movers and shakers, from bullwhips in the temple to subduing entire countries. They rattled the world on its own terms, not in some pie-in-the-sky piety, 
many of them instigated massive social revolutions that have continued for thousands of years. And they did so not because they avoided the physical, emotional, and mental dimensions of humanness and the ego that is their vehicle, but because they engaged them with a drive and intensity that shook the world to its very foundations. So my desire for us to always wake up more and more to our transcendent self is not simply for our own edification, but such that we may be the source of solution in this two-dimensional, three-dimensional reality, in this place and space where we've forgotten who and what we're intended to be. So, you know, great, a great way of um, exploring this, I think, is to look at our relationship with our parents. You know, the ego mind will say, I could in fact provide a long list of ways that my mother or my father did not live up to my expectations. And I will substantiate that list. And in fact, if you knew them, you would know that I too am right. <laughs> and then we'll spend a lifetime defending our rightness about who our parents are or were, and specifically our mother. If you only knew. There is an incredible thing that happens when one who has had a mother becomes a mother. It's called humility. <laughs> I'm not suggesting you need to have kids to experience that. You could find a far more relaxing way to experience that. <laughs> But really, that is the great idea. When I first heard in this community that the only thing your parents are ever responsible for is bringing you into this planet, anything after that, it's your soul's journey. That is not condoning any poor behavior. That is not uh, dismembering the impact of our experiences. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about the distinction between victim, being a victim of a set of circumstances, and living in victim consciousness. This day, no matter where you are in relationship to your parents, could be a holy and sacred appointment for each of us to reconcile the places and spaces that we have put our parents outside of our hearts, the places and spaces that we have put our parents on a pedestal, most definitely to fall and break. We can't put anyone on a pedestal and expect that they won't fall and shatter. So this is the day that I believe we bring in the practice of forgiveness as the greatest portal on the planet to love, the greatest practice in the portal for love. There is um, a really brilliant mentor of mine whom I've never met, but I call frequently. And I spoke with him last night because I was really struggling with something that I was thinking about as it related to this topic. And he, um, his name is Reverend Lloyd Strom. He wrote the curriculum for financial freedom that we've taught here before. And at this point in his life, he's sort of known as a hermit. He sort of lives um, in a very isolated state, and he has loads of time for deep levels of contemplation. When I call him and speak to him 
I have to be like very awake because it is as if I am listening to another language. Do you know that? Perhaps you've experienced that when you were reading The Science of Mind. I have no idea what this man is saying. And if you ever take a class here, we always say just keep reading because actually your soul does know. And the intention is to just have it be a fire hose of truth and at some level your soul will stir and your personality will shift and you'll reorient yourself to the knowing that in fact you are the divine incarnate, not the circumstances, conditions, limitations, scarcity that you exist in. When you can make that shift, the world that you are in shifts with you. So I was speaking with Reverend Lloyd last night and he said this, the fastest way to become enlightened is to allow ourselves to be offended by everyone and then consistently forgive them until we are no longer offended by anyone. And I had the thought this morning as I was sitting in my practice, I had the thought, we may be at the apex of this experience collectively. <laughs> There is a great experience on the planet at this time of how offended I am. Can you believe he used those words? Can you believe he used those words? How awful. And this is where our practice is, tell me again. Tell me again what you think of me. Tell me again. And when you can do that from a high place, it neutralizes in your soul and goes back into the nothingness from which it came. See, when we know that the crazy out here is nothing more than a forgetting of the transcendent self, we realize, in fact, nothing needs to be made personal. You know, The Four Agreements is one of the greatest books about this. Don't take anything personally. Wow. If we could practice that, we would neutralize our reactive and triggered state, and we would be closer to the realization of peace on the planet. So how is that going with your parents, and your siblings, and your neighbors? See, the very thing that we want from the leaders of our world is the very thing we're unwilling to extend to the person that lives next door to us. Can you believe they left their garbage that way? Can you believe they dressed their child that way? I mean, it's clear that they're not concerned about their well-being. You know, and they're not always spoken, but they're very easily accessible. Unless, of course, I am the only person that has a crazy monkey mind. But I suspect that is not the case. So he went on to say, an enlightened state of being is simply an awareness of oneness, which is the experience of love. I love the title. He was, he was reading to me this essay, Taking Offense the Right Way. I'm going to include that in my talk notes online and you could read that over and over. It's a great piece for right now. See, you're not meant to suffer. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is elective. Your parents did what they did. 
and you had what you had, and you have what you have. And now, who will you be about it? I used to think my mom said that to me to let herself off the hook. I really, I used to think, you are saying that to avoid taking responsibility. That is not right. I did not call for these circumstances and conditions. You may not be so self-indulgent. And now I have the exact same conversation with my kids. So this day, we just get to practice the awakened state, the only difference between each of us and the presence of someone like Jesus or the Buddha is the knowing that we are not separate from anything. We are one with all things. And the degree to which we know that is the degree to which we can have an instantaneous shift in our experience. And one of my favorite scriptures that gets lost quite a bit is you can do what I have done and better things still. There was not an idea that someday later you'll have a transcendent experience, but until then, have a miserable life <laughs> and suffer the whole time, and I hope that perhaps you'll meet me one day. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and we absolve ourselves of responsibility when we don't realize that. See, my life circumstances began to shift instantaneously the moment I drowned myself in truth statements because the ego construct could not remain intact in the face of truth, in the face of rapid-fire truth. So I'll just close with this Emma Curtis Hopkins quote because I think she's one of the most brilliant beings on the planet. She came to Chicago to form a metaphysical school in the late 1800s, I believe. And she was a, a fierce advocate of the divine feminine. She writes, the pains and discords of human experience are not sent from God, but they do indeed stand as tests of how much God we have. So for the purposes of science, let us say I have an upper limit where 30% of my being can be the presence of God. I prefer to keep 70% not God. 30% God is fine for me. And then likely the results of your life will be commensurate with that. But how willing might I be able to allow the presence of God, the presence of spirit, this divine and holy universe, to infuse my being? Wow. Exactly the childhood I had. It was designed perfectly for my expression on the planet. And in fact, the heartache that I experienced as a child enables me today to be the space of compassion and generosity with all I meet. That's a very different orientation than to suggest that the breakdowns of my childhood have kept me stuck as I am forever. We are 
intimately connected one to another. There is, in fact, no separation. You are the individualized, unique expression of God. And our forgetting has us experience less of that presence. So I just invite us to go into some practice today to release anyone and anything that is holding us hostage. So I just invite you to close your eyes if you would. Just bring to your mind's eye anyone or anything that surfaces. Anyone or anything that you're believing has done something to you. Any injustice in your personal experience. I invite you to stay with your personal experience. When we extrapolate to the injustices of the world, we get lost. So right here, right now, what are you deeming, perhaps in your childhood, perhaps in relationship with your parents, that is not acceptable? It is just not acceptable. And bring that to your mind's eye and just look at it. Eckhart Tolle says that grace abounds when we begin to accept the unacceptable. It is the great paradox of life. continuing to hold this being before you. This one that perhaps you've X'd out of your life. The person before you that you experience the greatest degree of suffering with. Imagine that your arms are interlaced with theirs, bound by shackles. Imagine the way that you hold them in this now moment in your mind's eye is exactly how they need to keep showing up for you. Mm -hmm. 
now begin to see your hands easily and gracefully fall through those shackles. Wow, I had no idea that all along I could easily pull out my hands and be free. as this one stands before me and I stand before them the shackles have fallen to the ground and I see to this one before me that in fact they too are the presence of the divine and that they were doing exactly what they knew to do that they were doing the very best they could. I feel the weight fall from my shoulders. I feel my heart begin to open. And I notice that there is no longer any space between me and the one before. So I just invite us into this place of grace, this place of peace, a peace that passeth all understanding, where a transcendent experience of love reigns supreme. I allow this presence to have its way with me this day. I affirm the presence of love in all that I encounter. I hold my parents and everything that they did as the greatest gesture of love they knew. I allow my mind to relax, knowing and trusting that it alone cannot begin to understand how or why life is the way it is. I bless the parent within each of us, knowing that that one has done the very best it knows to do, to care, to love, to support, and to allow our highest expression to be made manifest. I bless all of life on the planet remembering our oneness with all beings. I let this be, and so it is. And so it is. <laughs>